Dolcran's world, they are two separate yet equally important groups of commentators. The educators, who mercilessly talk their profession into tortured submission, and Julian Ambler, who simultaneously knows everything and nothing and will prove so over the course of the next hour. These are their stories. Hey guys, welcome back. This is the Dull Crans. I'm Gabriel Zuger. And I'm Julian. And uh, I wanted to ask you a question, Julian, on the heels of uh, having just posted last week the uh, Die Hard Snack Report episode. Uh, this, this was the, the episode that birthed the Snack Report and also uh, a, a long discussion of the finer merits of Die Hard and uh, what exactly constitutes a Christmas movie. And, and I think I came up with a real stumper for you. Okay. The Christmas classic Reindeer Games. What about it? Is Reindeer Games a Christmas movie? It has reindeer in the title. I know it has reindeer in the title, but like... It's not a family Christmas movie, but it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's definitely not a family Christmas movie. Um, so, but does it have the themes of Christmas in it? I think we talked about that as being an important thing. Not just the idea that it takes place at Christmas or that like maybe even like snow or santa show up but that there's like some you know sense of uh i don't know charity and giving i I mean i i would argue that it's christmas movie i can't remember reindeer games well enough to speak to themes in it yeah but it's a christmas movie because it is very overtly a christmas movie the argument about die hard where we got into themes and stuff like that is that like you know the trappings of it are not all that Christmas centric. Yeah. Like you can forget about the scenes that have to do with Christmas or have decorations or whatever, but reindeer games, they make sure that the setting is, is all about Christmas. Like, so, you know, I, I wouldn't argue that it's a movie that, uh, helps us better understand the meaning of Christmas, but it certainly, a Christmas story. So as as you remember, we established that we, we now have a test, much like the Bechdel test, called the, the Zuger-Ambler test, right, around Christmas movies, that it, it is a Christmas movie if you cannot extricate the, the act of Christmas or the timing of Christmas from the movie without, like, hurting Substan- its... Or not even hurting, but substantially changing. Substantially changing the theme of it, right. Yeah. Um... And I think that uh, I think that having 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 stumbled upon the memory of Reindeer Games, which I remember seeing in theaters and thoroughly enjoying as a 13, 12 year old. Oh, so I'm not sure. I can't get that deep in this conversation yeah. because, like, I the last time I saw Reindeer Games was the only time I saw it, and it was a long oh, totally. time ago. And I absolutely cannot remember specifics about it. But that's why I'm so glad we're talking about it, because I think this is the first movie that we're going to review for the podcast uh, in light of our new Christmas test, and we're going to apply it to this criteria. Gabe, if you wanted to watch Reindeer Games together, (laughs) we could have just watched Reindeer Games together. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, uh, 
obviously thinking about it, I, I was back on, uh, you know, Mr. Skin, just, you know, looking up uh, favorite scenes from Reindeer Games. And Does Reindeer Games just have a lot of nudity? Not a lot, but I, I believe Charlize Theron takes her top off at one point. See, I didn't even remember she was in it. Yep. I've, for some reason, I was thinking Sandra Bullock was in Reindeer Games. I think it's Charlize Theron and, and Ben Affleck. Well, I know it's, it's totally Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, big, big idol of the show. Um... So <laughs> let's say Ving Rhames is in it. Oh, I think you're right. I think Ving Rhames is in it. I don't actually. I it, and it, then it seems sort of the era that that came out. It would make sense for Ving Rhames to be in it, but I have no idea if he actually is. And then I'm pretty sure the villain in it is somebody who's on one of those CSI shows now. Like maybe Dan CSI. Harmon. No, that's no, NCIS. that's NCIS. I think it's like CIS, like New Orleans or Las Vegas or something. He's got a very edgy face, I recall. Like Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise, yes, it oh. totally is Gary Sinise. I did not remember that. I just you know, just knew that when I said angular, edgy face, it meant CSI, Gary. Yeah. yeah, it meant Gary Sinise. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I think he's. What is he? He's gotta be. Wait, where's the original CSI? Um, That's Miami. Like, is it Miami? I think it's CSI Miami with David, um, Dave, uh, what's his name? You mean the guy from NYPD Blue? Yeah, the guy from NYPD Blue. But that's David not Caruso. The, that's not that's the... That's not the original? No, the original is, uh, with the guy who is in the original Hannibal movie, Hannibal Lecter movie, uh... Manhunter? Yeah, he played, uh, the, the investigator, um... I don't know who that is Ed the Norton investigator. Plays in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hugh Dancy plays. He plays uh, Will Graves. Will, Will Graves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I forget his name, but he's. Oh the, God, I don't even remember that actor. Uh, who else is in it? Um, shit, I can't remember. But it was just called CSI. It was just called Crime Scene. Oh, it was just called CSI. Yeah, it had. Is no that still cover. running? I don't know. I feel like I don't that. Know if the flagship died. Like the I feel order. Like that one has to be gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm but anyway, thinking more about NCIS. Yeah. So I mm, that makes me think that the Gary Sinise one, maybe it's CSI New York or CSI. You mean the original or the Gary or the Gary Sinise? The Gary Sinise. Oh, one. I think it's New Orleans. New Orleans. Or maybe it is New York. I think they did do a New York once they saw that the market was open with the falling of the flagship Law and Order. They came in and just you know. Yeah. Swoop that vacancy. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, jump in. I think the original CSI is Los Angeles. You're probably right. Maybe. You're probably right. Doesn't Deserves matter. Deserves to be. Um, but yeah, so I think Reindeer Games, and you've talked about wanting to do like some review shows as what we're going to go see. Yeah, I was thinking about like children's movies. Well, we're going to go see Paddington, right? Two. Paddington, Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Yeah. Um, which... I am I'm surprised not, to find out is a very well-reviewed children's movie. I, I think the first Paddington was very well-reviewed oh, as that. well. Yeah, my my recollection, um, only coming from the UK, though, uh, was that... Oh, yeah, you only read UK reviews. I only listen to UK reviews and read UK reviews. I, I don't even get... I, I only watch the BAFTAs. I don't even get involved in any of this Golden Globe, Oscar melodrama can't fucking stand it um and yeah my my feeling was they really liked it now i think they're also biased because paddington is a british product right 
Yeah. Like, it's more, he is a more well-known bear in England than he is in the States. Yeah, uh, that's why uh, the Bernstein Bears movie is so popular here in the U.S. A, a huge hit. Countries just love their own bear stories. Yes, yes. Uh, also, we, we, we bear love bears. Our, our hillbilly bear types, and they love their, you know, very... Were the Bernsteins... Uh, First of all, it's not the Bernstein Bears. The they weren't. They weren't Upper West Side Jewish family of bears. It's the Bernsteins. It was the Berenstein Bears. Bernsteins. I mean, they could still be Jewish. I. They could be, but when you call them the Bernstein Bears, I imagine them shopping at Zabar's for you know salmon, smoked for salmon. smoked salmon spread. <laughs> <laughs> for schmear and bagels. Um, Just catching smoked salmon in their mouth as it's thrown into the air. But yeah, the, the, the Berenstein Bears were, were hillbillies. I mean, they... they... This bagel's got too much schmear. <laughs> this bagel's got too little. This bagel's just... I'm realizing that's Goldilocks, not right, the Berenstein right. Bears. Now, who would who would the Goldilocks be in a in a Jewish bear version of the story? Um, who helps themselves to Jewish people's things? <laughs> 1930s Germans? I guess so. I or guess the, the Swiss. The Swiss, there you Goldilocks go. Goldilocks is the Swiss. <laughs> I mean, it makes perfect sense. She is, you know, a fair-skinned blonde girl... Who, you know, just sort of flouts all social, political norms, um, you know, pretends to be neutral or not understand, like, you know, property law, um, or like when she's, viol- you know, trespassing or violating somebody else's rights. You know, actually, she's not the Swiss. Okay. Goldilocks is crystal knocked. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to, we're going to Paddington. Yeah, we're gonna uh, go Paddington see Paddington Two. Paddington Two, The Great Escape. No, that's not the subtitle of it, is it? I don't think so, but it does. He does go to jail in it. He does. Yeah, really. Or prison, actually. I oh, terrific! Yeah. Anyway, I can't uh, wait to see that. I look forward to the review. <laughs> um, and Here we have pod. to do uh, Reindeer Games as well. So We're definitely doing Reindeer Games. I've got a short list going of other things that you can look forward to. Us and uh, our other correspondents reviewing in the future, including uh, the must-do that uh, Tony and I already talked about on the pod, but uh, Kindergarten Cop. That is a must. Um, I also think Are We There Yet? The road tripping movies with Ice Ice Cube Cube. could be a fantastic kids movie to do. Um, Motherfuck the Police. Bad News Bears. The original and the remake are both two of my favorite movies. I think they are absolutely perfect. Who do you think taught you to smoke trees? <laughs> Who do you think taught you to blow me? Um, and then uh, I just saw a commercial for something truly terrifying. A Lifetime movie, uh, you know, supposedly based around true events. I'm not even sure what they're referring to because there's so many goddamn school shootings. Called, 1517 to Paris? Called, no, not 1517 to Paris. Called Faith Under Fire, starring the former R&B singer uh, Tony Braxton? I don't know. It looks 
It's about a school shooting? It's about a school shooting, and it's called Faith Under Fire. So I, I really think there's going to be a lot to play with there. Um, if you told me it was about a school shooting and it was called that, I would have assumed that it was about that uh, that Columbine story about like the girl that they harassed about believing in God and then didn't kill her. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, like with that title, you're assuming there's going to be a strong, like, heavenly presence in it, right? Well, I'm um, sure there will be a god. There's going to be a god theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I'm just saying, I don't know what. But school like shooting, the, it's about. I don't know what school yeah. shooting it's supposed to be based on. Um, but it also it didn't give me any of those things in the in the trailer. In fact, it it really only showed the school shooting aspects of it. Um, so, anyway, I'm really excited to screen that and review for the pod. Um, but on to today's topics, um, which for which I have no transition for. Um, why don't we get into, uh, well, what do you want to start with, Julian? Um, phones in schools? Yeah, let's do phones in schools. So, I saw, I saw a story on... Uh, on the Channel 7 News the other day about a school that was doing a sort of phone lockup as a punishment, I feel like, for arriving late to school, hmm. uh, which I thought was, well, stupid. Like, Because one has nothing to do with the other? Because one has nothing or, to do with the other. So it just but didn't... it is, like, I mean, detention has nothing to do with, like, oh, totally. yelling at someone in class, but it's still the punishment. Well, totally. It. And I guess locking up a phone, like, makes, you know, it, it does seem like it would be a, a uh, punishment that students would actually respond to, right? Because they're terrified of that idea, right? That somebody could take their phone away from them. So, students be loving phones. Yo, hot take, fresh for you. Students be loving phones. And ladies be shopping. <laughs> How many of y'all like sex out there? Um, but so, that was, that was one take. But then, uh, from NPR, we have this one. A school's way to fight phones in class, lock them up. This is from January 11th, 2018. Uh, any teacher will tell you, Class has never been the same since kids started coming to school with cell phones. And what's the deal with... No, sorry, ad lib. Ancient Roman history will pretty much never win the day when competing with Snapchat and Instagram. And sneaky as kids think they are, teachers know exactly what's going on when students look up with those zombie stares and constantly ask, can you say that again? First of all, I don't think students are ever looking up and actually saying, can you say that again? Because I don't think they even care enough to look up. And say that once they're like already in the phone zone. You hear that, students? You've lost games. <laughs> I mean, I mean, clearly we're talking about like Clean high school students. <laughs> and pick up your pants while you're at it. But like, clearly Kate, we're talking about high schoolers. No, but my students are. No, I know, but I, I would wonder if like not phones to play with, but like even at this point, do five year olds have phones? They're no. I don't think. To my knowledge, th th I have not had a five-year-old student with a phone. Um, I think they they often get handed, like, hand-me-down, like, iPods or, like, or yeah, like no, no, old no. phones that have no cellular service whatsoever. Um, and then they keep them in their backpacks the whole time and then just, like, whisper to a friend, like, I brought my phone to school, but, like, 
it's not a thing that's ever coming out. Mm-hmm. Whereas these are kids who have them, you know, under desks in their no, no, face I understand whatever. that. I just know that. But like, yeah, oh yeah, when, no, the age gets younger up, when they get phones. You know, like yeah. kids were getting phones eighth, ninth grade. When did you get a cell phone? I can't remember that. I, I, I figure it's it had to be ninth grade. Yeah, I didn't have a phone. I think I think my first phone was like mid ninth grade. Like, I did not go to day one of high school with a phone. That could not have been the case, I don't think. Yeah, but you in fact, were like I, a performative fa- Luddite in, in high fact, school. In fact, I know it wasn't because the first time I went to somebody else's house in high school, like, my parents could not get a hold of me and had to, like, track me down through other people's phones. Through mail, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they snail mailed me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was three weeks until I got their letter, and then, you know, fucking Pony Express. Mm-hmm. And then I had to write back to them. I didn't have proper postage. And they were so worried about you that hired the Pinkertons. They hired the Pinkertons. Uh, I also got scarlet fever uh, that fall. Um, was You're lucky up. you didn't die of dysentery. I'm lucky, very lucky. <laughs> My horse did, though. Uh, My horse died of dysentery, yeah. But, I, uh, but the ox made it. The ox made it, so we were okay. Um, but anyway, so here, the story continues. Uh, you can see they're not listening to you, says history teacher Tony Patelis at Newton North High School in Massachusetts. They're looking down and they tell me they're checking the time, even though the clock is on the wall. Patelis says he's got a reputation as a psycho about cell phones, constantly confiscating them from kids in class. psycho! (laughs) Don't cross him! Don't cross Psycho Patelli! Um... I hear he shoved bamboo shoots up a kid's finger and then told him to Snapchat. <laughs> told to type a text without any thumbs because he cut them off. Dude is fucked up. Yo, I heard he ate somebody's sidekick once. Yo, who owns a sidekick anymore? <laughs> it's so ingrained, he says. The kids say, forgive me, Mr. P. I can't help myself. It's a daily battle, he sighs, and teachers are losing. But now, exasperated teachers at hundreds of schools around the nation have another weapon in their arsenal. A gun. (laughs) That's right. That's right. They finally passed a law that said teachers can now shoot active cell phones um, at any point during the school day. I was going to say threaten a student. Like, even if... Even if it's a thing where it's like... Threaten the student or threaten the cell phone? The student. You just, like... A kid's playing with his phone. You pull out a gun and, like, don't even point it at the kid, but just, like, walk over to his desk and, like, clank it down on the desk. The, the hard clap of, uh, you know, that carbonized metal against the, you know, masonite top of his desk. That kid's going to look up and he's not going to take his eyes off you for the rest of the time because he needs to know that your gun is holstered at all times. You know, his, his eyes are going to be trained on the holster of your gun. You know, you only have to clank it down that one time, right? The first day in September, you know, it's like after Labor Day, you only have kid to pulls out your cell phone once for you, people to know. You pull it out that one time and you clank it down on their desk. And then after that, all you really have to do 
is put your thumbs in your shoulder holsters, uh, you know, which you keep both of your Glock 9s in at all times, fully loaded. So you can do quick draw. So you can do quick draw. Just sort of stand there with your thumbs hooked and, uh, you know, rock back on your heels a little bit, and they, they all start looking. Yep. Or They're all you... wanting to give you the quadratic equation, Mr. Patelis. Well, also, or if you teach with, like, an automatic rifle instead, you can do the uh, Eric Bana and Black Hawk Down thing, where mm-hmm. you just, like, curl your finger twice, and you go, this is my safety. Mm-hmm. This safety stays off. <laughs> but that's when you're pointing at the actual safety on your gun. Um, Actually, I, I don't say that anymore. I just have that as a bumper sticker that's on the top of my chalkboard. It just says, you know, like, it's just sort of an emoji of my crooked index finger. Uh, and then it just, uh, yeah, just bullets flying from my gun. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks to Massachusetts, uh, new, new bill. Uh, but wait, at the City on a Hill Circuit, uh, Circuit Street Charter School in Boston, students entering the school in the morning are met by administrators fanned out in the front door with their hands out. One by one, they take students' phones, slip them into a soft pouch, and lock them closed with a snap that works like the security tags you find on clothing at department stores. Students take their pouched phones back, but they can only unlock them with a special device at dismissal time nearly eight hours later. They have an eight-hour school day? I guess. Wow, that's that's impressive. I mean, for, I'm sure they're saying for most of them. Like, there are probably some that have, like, well, periods saying, off, you know, like maybe last period off, like seniors. But no, but my school earlier. day, I feel like it was... I think I you might be missing sad. the point of this article if I you focus like on the eight-hour hour school, school day. day. Like, I think I got to school at, like, eight, and we left it around two. Two is early, dog. I feel like it was 2.09 was when the bell rang. Two is definitely early. All right. Well, we were very smart. It sucks, grumbled freshman Tonino Emmanuel, echoing the sentiments of many here. It's aggravating, says sophomore Tyler Martin. It's just like your toy, and they take it from you, and you can't use it. But in the next breath, Martin jumps off the toy analogy and says his phone is actually a necessity. Like glasses, he says. I'm sorry, I love that one. Like, wait, it's like a toy. I mean, it's like a pacemaker. I totally need it at all times, or I could die. Well, I hear they... You have to put your insulin in those pouches, too. <laughs> and your inhaler. Mm. Yeah. Just, they, your EpiPen. Your EpiPen goes in the pouch. <laughs> Please unlock it. Somebody had peanut butter for lunch. Um, yeah, that idea that they're just taking away everything from you that you, you know, is so essential. Um, mm. But, no, so the, the, the point about, like... Uh, them needing it, right? Like, like teachers are coming up into the, our students are coming up to this teacher and saying, like, I can't help it. Like, they are totally addicted. And, well, like, studies have shown that, like, a, a child or, or any adult that, that can hear their phone vibrating, like, no, or even hear it ding, it. but can't get to it, like, their heart rates elevate and, like, they start to suffer, you know, minor anxiety attacks, at all times. 
Well, it's kind of like uh, my dog. I have a dog. Like, if, if I were to take a treat and let her, like, smell it, and then locked it in a box. <laughs> Even past when she was trying to break into the box and couldn't, like, she would just be stressed and staring right. at that box. Right, So this is my thing. I, I would say just take them away and, like, put them somewhere. Like, obviously, they don't want to do that because I guess they don't want to, you know, be losing someone's personal property, right? Well, yeah, if they, it's they still would become in, responsible. Then they would become that, responsible, yeah. right. But the idea that these phones are still going to work but now they're just locked away so that you can't access them. But like, well, I'm surprised that those pouches don't have the like, you know, uh, like the signal bouncing stuff. That you know those. Like, yeah, the Faraday cage. Faraday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised that those boxes aren't also or those bags aren't like also Faraday cages. I mean, that's what I think they really need to be, right? Like, I really think that. It, forget forget even putting the phone in a bag. I think that's unnecess- an unnecessary step. I think if you just had basically a, a, a fucking jammer a signal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you just had a school building that was a Faraday cage, first of all, you'd be solving this problem because the kids wouldn't be able to receive any signal. And now I know that this teacher but thinks... Look. I know that this teacher thinks it's all Snapchat and Instagram, but meanwhile, there are definitely plenty of kids that are literally texting each other from two desks away in this guy's class just to say, like, you know, Mr. Patella smells like sour cheese. Um, but I think games like Bejeweled or whatever don't need an internet connection. Yeah, but if you're playing a game in class, then Mr. Patella has the right to just take your fucking phone. Like, just take it away and you can't have it back, period. Well, like, if you're Snapchatting class or texting class... Oh, yeah, no, class, totally. Mr. Who? Patellus. I don't Mr. know. Mr. Patellus. I, I, I don't even know if that's his name anymore. I, it's just what I'm going with. Um, Mr. Yeah. Patellus also, I mean, has a no, right to take away your phone. Totally, totally. Because Mr. Patellus deserves your attention. Because he said it. Because he said so. There are rules. But the, other, but the other thing that I think a Faraday cage around the entire school would do... Is stop hackers. It, it would stop Chinese hackers from assaulting the nation's, you know, and incredible bots from fucking with internet uh, secrets. The student government. Yep, exactly. We don't want any more student elections hacked by Russian bots. Because be honest, with the exception of like fairly limited things, uh, schools don't really need like. In the library, you need internet access and stuff, but in a classroom, I mean, maybe I haven't actually been in a classroom, uh, you know, a high school classroom for uh, quite a few years, and the internet has developed quite a bit since I've been in high school, but when I was in high school, we didn't have anything that tied into the internet in any way. Yeah. Where, like, if we were in a Faraday cage, it wouldn't matter, but I don't know if teachers are now using tools where, like, an internet connection isn't necessary. There might be some, but but even if that were the case, with a Faraday cage, I think that those things that are hardline would be safeguard from it, right? So if you're using a smart board that's hooked up to a desktop that is connected through an ether cable and not running off the school's Wi-Fi, then you would be okay. Well, if the Wi-Fi isn't like locked from the students that 
than even a Faraday. Like, if the Wi-Fi is just open in the school, even if it's a Faraday cage, the students can access it. No, totally. But the students can't access... So I'm just saying as long as they have a They're accessing off light or something. Then it doesn't matter. Then, like, you don't even have to have the hardline stuff. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. You're exactly right. The teacher's tablet can just... Because the there are going to be Wi-Fi. there are going to be classes where you're reading Shakespeare and you don't need you know internet access to discuss you know Othello's dilemmas. In, but then, but what if you're doing a more modern Shakespeare like that show? Will right, right, and then you yeah you you definitely want to want to be watching clips of that all the also, time. Also, I don't know if you know this, but Shakespeare didn't write any of his plays. Oh uh, right, I don't think I, he, it was his sister. Wasn't I it? saw. No, it was, uh, I saw this documentary called Anonymous, uh, and it was actually, uh, this, uh, this aristocrat who wrote it all, and, uh, Shakespeare was lowborn, and so he couldn't have written it, because he was illiterate and dumb. Right, right. Yeah. Um. But then he stole the works and stole all credit for them. No, no, no. Right? No. no, the aristocrat couldn't publish under his own name because, oh. like, uh, you know, it just, it wasn't couth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's so gauche to, you know, write under your own name. Look, if you're born into money, there are certain rules. Yeah. That's why we hide our identities, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. We're not Gabriel and Julian, you know. That's just uh, what we go by, because we want to hide our our wealth and our uh, upper crustiness. Yeah, we're actually Timothy McVeigh and uh, Jeff have Sarnecki. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, us. I'm so glad to have taken the mask coming off. Coming straight from, uh, I'm not going to tell you which federal prison's <laughs> podcast studio, but... Uh, we don't have access to Instagram, but they gave us all this podcasting material, all these resources. Actually, I do love the podcast from San Quentin. That's not a joke. Okay. There is a podcast from San Quentin. I don't know this. It is really good. It is, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, what is, it is called... It's uh, not called the podcast from San Quentin because I really think that's a great name. And if it's not that, I think we should think about changing the dull crayons to the podcast from San Quentin. Maybe we're the podcast from Sing Sing. Mm. I think that one works just as well. Rolls right off the tongue. I've always liked that name, Sing Sing. It is a cool name. It's it's got a nice rhythm to it. It's got a nice rhythm to it. It never says upstate New York to me. Um, but like, there's just something cool about it. You know who lived in Austin? Um, Don Draper. Don Draper, the character. Yes. Really? Yeah. He he was always taking the train, right? He was always taking the uh, the bar car. To. Austin. I. Drinking. What is the name? Drinking at you know, eight thirty in the morning on his way to Midtown Manhattan. Ear Hustle, that's what it's called. Ear Hustle's a good name, too. Yeah. It's it's really good, because it's like a very... It's neither, like... It just covers, like, interesting things about, like, what it's like to pick your roommate in prison mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's, it's like... 
I don't know. There's a practical element to it, and like a, there's a certain honesty that like about little aspects of manners or whatever that you just don't get to absorb through prison narratives and like film or whatever. All right. Um, so if you're listening to the Dolcrans right now, check out Ear Hustle. Yeah. On the Dolcrans network, and uh, yeah, we write really, a review. you know, as prisoners who make a podcast, we're pretty supportive of any other prisoners who do oh, the same. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love what they're doing down there, and uh, you know, to all our pen pals out in, um, you know, Sing Sing and San Quentin, and uh, can I just Glades say- Glades Federal Penitentiary? Penitentiary. Uh, As we all say, LLCC. <laughs> Ladies love convicted criminals. <laughs> so, you know, you might not be of a criminal mindset, but if you are struggling with women and you're okay with giving up your freedom, uh, commit a heinous crime. I guarantee you. Yep. You will you'll end up married uh, oh. quicker than any... Cosmo article would get you married. Oh, my first six months in the joint, I was married uh, five and a half times. Five, five times engaged at the end there, also. Well, simultaneously yeah. engaged. Simultaneously yeah. engaged, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, it is it is a real chemistry boost, you know. And a testosterone People just want to fix you. Yeah. I tried to fix you when we first met. Uh, has not has not stuck. I think I that's said, what Joko, makes us. <laughs> here's what you need to do better. <laughs> I think that's what made us great roommates in the pen. Um, yeah, was your Weird relentlessness they put us together. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't think I you mean, were we allowed have... to have a roommate, but uh, Tim, we made it work. They said uh, us together would be worse than solitary, but. Yep, but Jokes who knew? On them. Who knew that you would be the peanut butter in my chocolate, and I would be the chocolate in your peanut butter. Anyway, that's how uh, you make a swirl, baby. We don't get phones. That's a bummer. Yep. Um, no phones. No Faraday cages for us. But, Real cages. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I guess, like, the rule that I would apply to phones in school was just be, like, if a teacher sees them when you're in class, they're allowed to take them. Yeah. Like, and if that was just an understood rule, I mean, maybe you would still have kids looking at their phones, but, like, then their phones would get taken for the day. I think kids would eventually learn that... You know, it's not worth pulling it out to check something. But Julian, should we should we not be blaming the teachers at all for not, not being more interesting than a child's phone with full oh, internet access? I absolutely and apps think we should not be blaming teachers for that because, like, shit on shouldn't, phones shouldn't ancient is history denied, be interesting? It's designed to be as addictive as possible. Like, it's true. The term engagement is just a nicer term for addiction. It's like, how can we design apps and uh, different social interfaces over your, on your phone to make somebody well, want to spend every waking second Well, on it? and this is an important point because not only are apps designed that way, but on top of which, 
the I, I think the overriding issue for students and phones today is is a separate one, which is their their overwhelming FOMO, right? Their fear of missing out. So the idea that FOMO, FOMO. So the idea that they might be off their phone, but that friends say at another school or in another classroom or whatever might be on their phone getting the information that they're somehow missing. And again, if this thing is on their desk now in a locked box, you know, just buzzing nonstop, I I wouldn't be surprised if kids are just like smashing their heads against walls within like two weeks on this kind of principle. Um, Because like they have to be in the know at all times. You know how that's the reason to be connected versus principle. I still don't get it right. So tell me how you learned it. In elementary school, the principal of my school <laughs> taught us, you know, your principal is, uh, like, your principals are important to you, but me, your principal, I'm your pal. So I'm a pal. Yeah. Got so it. remember it that way. Yeah. But I there's no like, you in principal. Like, your principals are important to you. Oh. Like, yeah. I want there to be, like, a catch to that, you know, like... You, you know, um, I don't have it, but you know, there's something with L E at the end, and uh, uh, mm. your your principles are le le chouf, you know, they're they're chief to you. Yeah, that's that's not that's working. A stretch. No, and. I'm your pal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really can't believe that worked on you. I, I really think you would have been one of those students who was really glued to Mr. Patelis's, uh ancient history lecture while everyone else was Snapchatting just images of you to yeah, each other. I, if I'm totally honest, uh, if anything, in high school, I would be like, You know, I, I, I'm sure I'd be interested in Mr. Patelis's lecture somewhat, but once I got, like, the hang of high school, you know, you sort of realize that, like, as long as, like, you studied the night before a test, you'd do fine. Um, so, and, like, attendance was at most 5% of your grade. So my, my attendance... Uh, I would say my junior and senior year was not stellar. Oh, I, that's so funny. I was like the reverse. I like studying the night before a test was a bridge too far for me. I mm. did not study, but I would be in class all the time, sort of like, you know, phoning my way through it and mm. doing just fine. Not again, not because attendance was super big, but just cause like, well, I had nowhere else to fucking be. I think it's also a thing of like, you know, you would find the teachers that, like, weren't okay with that approach, and of course you'd show up for their class, um, but a lot of teachers were just sort of like, you know what, if someone's okay with teaching themselves, I yeah. don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. So, for all you autodidacts out there, you know, get it in. Uh, we're going to be right back with the snack, snack report. report. Boop, 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 boop. And uh, more from the Dull Boys. See you on the other side.
Welcome back. You are in the crayon box, and you're about to get snack attack. <coughs> it's the snack report, everybody's favorite segment on the show. Certainly so mine. Today we're we're trying moon cheese. Uh, I don't know what it, it is. A hundred percent cheese. Um, it's gluten free, as advertised. We're trying the pepper jack flavor. Um, let me crack this sucker open. Yep. So, our 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 understanding of this then from the from the cover and from from reading about it on the back is this is essentially like astronaut cheese, right? The same way that like astronaut ice cream was freeze dried ice cream. This is like freeze dried cheese. So I've had my first whiff of it. Okay. I would describe it as uh, smelling like salty milk. So it's a bag of salty milk. Well, mm. I mean, it's not a bag of milk. Uh, it is a bag of what sort of looks like popcorn, but what we understand to be freeze-dried cheese. I mean, I, I guess now it's it's occurring to me that the, the idea of moon cheese, while I think it's working on that, like, astronaut ice cream thing, it's, it's also aspirational. like... It's aspirational. It's aspirational. Like Tang. Right, like Tang. But it's it it also looks like moon rocks, right? These these things oh, yeah, are I shaped. Forgot. It's moon is made of cheese. Yeah, and the moon is made of cheese, right? So it's it's clicking back to all those things that we learned early on in uh, astro- like astronomy uh, classes, like that Lumiere film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we're gonna try it. We're gonna taste this sucker, and uh, your thoughts, Julian. Well, let me try it. Again. All right, crunch on. Mm. It has a real squeak when you bite into it. Yep. Um, kind of. Hmm. I guess it does taste kind of like cheese. Um, it's kind of like if you removed. The corn from popcorn is kind of what it's like. It's like an... It's fine. Yeah. I thought you were going to say if you removed all moisture from the atmosphere, because that's what it actually tastes like to me. It tastes like what I imagine drywall with a, a nice heaping of salt on it would taste like. Um, you know, just take a bite out of your drywall and, and wash it down with some some... Pink Himalayan salt. Mmm. Like, there's there's Some nothing... Fancy salt. There's nothing cheese-like about it anymore, right? Like, I mean... I mean, it vaguely tastes like cheese. But vaguely, to me, isn't enough. You know? And, like, I don't know. I think what's interesting about it... Now, I, I could not stomach this personally for more than, you know, the three bites we've had so far... But if you if you did send your kid to school with this or something, you've only had one bite, Gabe. I'm s- sorry, um, the one bite so far. I'm already done. Um, is uh, if you send your kids to school with it, like I guess you could eliminate cracker altogether, right? Because it's giving you that cheese taste. You're right. And cut out the middleman. And you're cutting out the middleman. Cheese is the new cracker. It's like Harry's razors. It is like Harry's razors, direct or, from the distributor. Or. Um, that Orby mattress Parker. or Casper mattress. Casper mattress. Uh, 
I feel like there's another mattress company. This, this podcast brought to you by Breaking Out the Middleman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't pay for that department store markup. And don't pay for both crackers and cheese. Just get moon cheese. Just get moon cheese and go to uh, BJ's and Sam's Club. Now, this is a remarkably small package. Um, like, far smaller than a bag of... This, like an individually sized bag of chips. Yeah. And yet it it can... it, 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 it is the, roughly the same size as a um as a bag of jerky maybe, right? A it's small like bag of jerky. A small bag of jerky. I'll give you that. And apparently it has 4.5 servings in it. I That's a I, lot. The thing is like the what's in this? I wouldn't want to eat many bags of it, but I could eat like 10 bags of that and not feel full. It it has it's a strangely like not substantial thing. Okay, I I also want to add this. Whereas it, cheese is very filling. It claims to be, um, on the back, it claims to be high in protein, all natural, gluten free, and an excellent source of calcium. And I'm gonna say that maybe one of those is true. Well, it's definitely gluten-free. That's the one I'm going with that's maybe true. Again, it says high in protein. It has four grams of protein per serving. Well, that to per me is 70 not, grams, that's actually... That to me is not high in protein. That's just like, okay. Per, well, I mean, per that's uh, per 70 calories. Okay. That's that's actually fairly high. I mean, in the world of, like, cheese. It's fine. I guess. It's fine. Um... But if you're if you're gonna give it's it high in protein, if you're gonna give it high in protein, then you might as well give it high in saturated fat also because it's Ooh, got burn. three grams of that. Um, it's claiming to be all natural. Again, there's nothing to me that's natural about either the process of cheese making or uh, moon cheese making. Um, what, eating dairy mold is not natural. Pretty unnatural. And then excellent source of calcium. It's got fifteen percent calcium. So per serving. So again. It's a decent source of calcium. It's not like you're getting your full calcium intake. And I'm not saying they're claiming that, obviously. But, you know, going back to my burn, if you want to say you're an excellent source of calcium, then you have to say you're an excellent source of saturated fat, too. You got to hear both sides, people. You got to hear both sides. Fair and balanced. That's our motto on the podcast. Yeah, well, I, I will not be adopting this into my regular snack routine. Uh... But, you know what, uh, if, if you want to try it, if you want to try it, please come to the studio because I don't know how I'm going to get rid of the rest of this bag. I, I don't even feel good foisting it on, foisting? Foisting. Foisting it onto a, a, a homeless person at this point. It, it just seems Well, yeah, because unhealthy. giving someone like an open bag of <laughs> something like that clearly you've just been carrying around with you as you walk around that if i was a homeless person that is I would what be some like, people do weird. to you know help out is give yeah, also food like, so if i was a homeless person okay and like someone was like oh julian you're a homeless person oh you didn't say call me a homeless person if if like you give me that half a sandwich you don't want like, I, I, I'm not saying I don't, that that isn't, like, somehow, like, a decent gesture, but it's still, like, oh, here's some garbage <coughs> that you're in such a miserable position that you have to, like, 
to you it's worth a lot more. I, you know, if you want to do something nice for a homeless person, just buy them a new sandwich. Like the the thing of like giving someone the rest of your food that you don't want to eat as like an act of charity seems silly to me. I thought you were gonna say if you want to do something nice for a homeless person, you know, just buy them a home, right? Or you know, or offer give them, them a, a job lot of money to um, be get hunting. them a college education. You know, you know these are things. Well, like. I, I like where your head's at, Gabe, and if you're doing that for the homeless people you run into, bravo, keep it up. Cue the montage of me, you know, Billy Madisoning a homeless person every day, you know, just... Oh, part of the thing is just, that they have to start at kindergarten? They start at grade four. <laughs> yeah, well, they have to start wherever, yeah, yeah, wherever Billy started. Yeah, well, I... I can't afford to send tons of homeless people to college. <laughs> um... But, you know, if they want to use the credits I didn't use. (laughs) (laughs) You have excess credits that you're walking around with, Julian? Oh, my God, Gabe. I am so laden down with credits. (laughs) Uh, It's it's obscene. They did offer to give you two undergraduate degrees on your way out, didn't they? They they wanted you to burn those credits up instead of handing them out to homeless people. Um, You know, here's my... Here's my semi-used art history credit. No, Gabe, they gave me a BA, and then they gave me shitloads of uh, initials that I could just put in in between the B and the A. They gave me an F I can use for when I want a BFA. Dog. They gave me an S for my Bachelor's of Science. Bravo. Uh, and then well, they were just sir. like, oh, there's still like loads of, Steph left on the cutting room floor here. Do you want an associate's degree too? Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, thank you. Uh, never mind. So you've got that going for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, just credentials coming out of your ears. Coming out my butt. Yeah. Um, Not the poop also, shoot. like, I have a shitload of honorary degrees. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain time, you know, like, I'm just tired of having to tell people, like, actually, technically, that's doctor, uh, Esquire, doctor again. Right. I have a, I should, I have a... Which do you prefer, the, the doctor or the Esquire? What? Oh, well... I think of the doctors that I have, which is three of them, I have an MD, a DDS, and a PhD, I would have to say my DDS. Mm-hmm. Because frankly, being a dentist is a low-pressure life. You know, it's not life and death. And if you build up your practice right, it is a very comfortable way to live. And eventually, you can build up to a point where your technicians do almost everything. You just come in and, like, very briefly look at someone's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and if you can get into the orthodontia racket. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, like, the chiropractory of teeth. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can charge $20,000 a head. Yeah. I was always pretty sure they were just making shit up as they went along uh, in terms of my orthodontry. Uh, I never had braces, and my teeth started crooked. Willpower, Gabe. Just straight willpower. 
That is what you tell most of your uh, orthodontry patients, isn't it? That you well, can just, it's like if that you you will give them the the training to will their teeth straight again, the same way that you did. Yes, I mean I, I should be clear. Some people have described my me as a con man and my services as fraud, but. Uh, you know, uh, but we've reported all those Yelp reviewers already, uh, to the proper authorities. So, you know, yeah, those, uh, those I, are I just, they're, those are under people. investigation right now. Um, and, uh, you know, we will have to see what the courts decide. Um, can you get date the honorary coming up. MD? <clears throat> honorary MD? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm going with no. Because the MD isn't the actual, like, certification that allows you to practice medicine. Yeah, I'm still going to go with no. I feel like that's a thing that the, the, the boards, the doctor boards have probably just sort of X'd out. They're just like, no, we, we want this thing all to ourselves, and uh, you can't have it. Yeah. Doctors, but, man. But... DDS Julian, we do need your special attention uh, for what's coming up next, uh, which oh, yeah. is our discussion of the upcoming snack bracket. Um, so, in honor of March Madness, yeah, uh, we have assembled thirty-two of the most competitive, or more accurately, most unusual snacks we've seen in our local grocery stores. No, in the nation's grocery stores, Julian. In the nation's grocery stores. These are national chains. Top seeds. These are top seeds. These are not just mid-majors. These are major majors. We've got Cinderella stories here. You are at the big dance. Give an of one of our Cinderella stories. So a Cinderella story, a real heartthrob here, uh, you know, who's just trying to battle it out against some of the giants in the industry, we have got, um, well, we've got Pocky Pocky Tortilla Chips. Haunted Uh, Ghost Pepper, baby. Haunted Ghost Pepper. You do not want to underestimate this Cinderella story. Who's who's our uh, USC Patriot? Uh, oh, we've got big names. We've got big names in the bracket. Okay, give me some. Give me some. Oreo is in there, big Ooh. and strong. Uh, Chips Ahoy, super big on defense. You know, um, Trisket is relentless on offense. They run a fast-paced game, and they are going to come at you hard with flavor, 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 flavor. Um, Trisket so, seemed more like. An impressive tennis player. <laughs> they really do. Actually, that's that's well stated. Um, Triscuits are the Jokovic of our March Madness. And but I would say I would say the thing the the uh, the team that I'm most excited to see in this year's snack bracket has to be Doritos because they're doing something very special this year. They're on a real hot streak. Some wait, might wait. even say they're blazing hot i mean why why are you so impressed by doritos this year you know 
I, I just, I just, they've always been, you know, they've always been a, a favorite in the game, right? They've always been consistent in their approach. Uh, they, they are, you know, well-loved, well-loved around the country. They've got the triangle offense. Exactly. They are, you know, they are thorough throughout, right? They're, they're well-dusted, well-flavored, all of their flavors are a comparative. <laughs> it's um, not just nacho cheese, baby. It's not so cheesier. Right. Nacho cheesier, cooler ranch. Um, yeah. You want to get your superlatives in there. Uh, that's well, very those important. those are not superlatives. What's the superlative? That's when you go to the next nacho level. Nacho cheesiest. Nacho cheesiest. Coolest right. ranch. <laughs> Which, by the way, we're going to be coming out with uh, uh, on our own. Okay, it... You could not handle Coolest Ranch. <laughs> Your mouth would freeze. I feel like Coolest Ranch is actually a, a combo of ranch and menthol. Like, I want Halls in there as a co-sponsor for Coolest Ranch. No, it's... Or is it Newports? It's Cools. <laughs> and it's spelled with a K. It's K-O-O-L-E-S-T, Ranch. And... They are gross, but, uh, <laughs> but certain urban communities love them. <laughs> the snack bracket is also brought to you by Joe Camel. Uh, kids love them. Um, but anyway, so as Julian said, 32 of the top competitors in the game, they are going to be battling it out for snack supremacy. Um, we are going to be bringing them to you bracket by bracket. Um, you know, we're going to go... I think we said so, eight at a time, right? Yeah. So we got so, four brackets. The yep. it's broken up sort of into like a cookie we've got our quadrants, and our four quadrants, quads. Yeah. 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 So we've got our cookie and sweets, you know, that that's includes some cookies, some pop tarts, some sweet cereals even. Yeah. Uh, we've got our chips and pretzels section. Uh, you know, that's where you're going to find your powerhouses like Doritos, your Pringles, your Pocky. <laughs> um, then everyone's we, got their eyes on Pocky. The, the, the Dorito may be a betting favorite right now, but insiders are all over Pocky, Julian. Now you've got your quadrant that is strong on its fundamentals, maybe not as flashy, but the, uh, crackers. The cracker bracket. I mean, yeah. Crack you You could really see somebody come flying out of that bracket into the final four, just ready to mess shit up. You know, people don't uh, give the crackers enough credit, but let's not forget, they were named after, or rather, crack was named after crackers. Yeah. Off of how addictive those dry, dusty vehicles for other flavors are. Yo. Put it in your mouth and smoke it. And our last quadrant is uh, popcorn and other stuff. <laughs> it's definitely Julian's favorite quadrant. Popcorn well, and other. <laughs> I'm a fan of popcorn. Yeah. But uh, frankly, it seemed obscene to make an entire quadrant popcorn. <laughs> it was pretty challenging. So we, we'll have a few popcorns and then we'll just have other random junk in there. Sort of a grab bag. Yeah, sort yeah, of a grab yeah. bag. But definitely going to be a lot of fun. So... Uh, starting in March, uh, each week we are going to be bringing you one quadrant and we are going to take you all the way to that quadrant's, uh, top finalist. 
And then uh, we will have announce... semifinals and finals. Yeah, we will announce the final four, and we will run through those as well. We are also going to be bringing you um, not just our opinions, um, but uh, guest analysts uh, to break down the. These are giants in the snack t- yeah. eating game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking pallets about out the wazoo here. People real like... sensitivity. Uh, well, Tony from the Bronx is going to be there. BX Tony, um, uh, who himself uh, has he's related to Jenny, who himself has an yep. He is related to Jenny from the Bronx. Uh, he he himself has an honorary degree from uh, Blue Apron University. So uh, you you know he's got um, real studied at Aubonpoint. Studied at Aubonpoint. He's got real umami sense uh, coming into the game. And uh, we are also going to be bringing you... That's just because he's kind of like... Uh, he has a little bit of Hispanic flair when he's having... Uh, when he's mid-coitus. That is just when it comes out. Umami. Umami. <laughs> <laughs> that is when it comes out. That uh, I don't like that. that. I don't flavor. like that I said that. I feel like I've shared too much of Tony's life. Well, uh, Tony would be all right with it, I think. He, they do call him Bony Tony. He shared plenty on on his episodes, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pony I, Tony Macaroni. I hear that um, there's a chance your wife might join us. She might. We're we're in negotiations right now as to the details around her involvement. Um, um for the audience, uh, I'm not entirely certain that Gabe's wife is real. This, yeah, we joke here yeah, a lot, a but like, uh, I know some of Gabe's friends, and literally none of us have ever met this Canadian supermodel uh, sex inventor that I, Gabe's supposed to be married to. Tony's seen her. You'll you'll have to ask Tony. He he believes me. He's there's met a, her. There's a, also a reason why they call him Tony Baloney. Ah. Uh, uh, for the uns, because he's full of it. Baloney, that is. Because <laughs> he loves eating baloney. Um, they say you are what you eat. She's there. She's there. She's going to be there, okay? All right? Uh, all right? Julian, she will be at the snack bracket. You will meet her there. Do you understand? Sure. I need, I need, I mean, I I need like some... I, I, I feel like you're yelling at me... Um, I'll meet your wife when I meet your wife, uh, but I just want you to know that if you don't have a wife, you I don't. Can tell I don't me. know what I can. I, I don't. I know don't what have I can a do wife. I'm not. You know. I. It, it wouldn't bother me if you didn't have a wife. It, it, I don't think it's that weird that sometimes when you're over, she happens to be in the bathroom the entire time. I mean, like I don't have any control over that, so I'm not sure what you want. Me to be doing to to make your acquaintance, you know, more handy. Like, well, well, let me just make the point that, like, literally, I've been here, come over and hung out from like seven. You know, it's called the Mendelssohn Studios for a reason. That is not my last name. I've come over here at like seven thirty and hung out the entire evening. And Gabe will say to me, um, "Oh, I'm sorry." you know, Pauline has a very early bedtime. She's been in the bedroom this entire time. Can, 
That is entirely Again, true. what do you what do you want me to tell you? She has an early bedtime. Either I, you're married to a seven year old or your wife does not exist. Well, again, I, I we we are we are in discussion around her involvement in the snack report. I hope that you will see her during the bracket. Um you know no, I, I'm sorry, I can't I just I just I Julian, I don't like to do this. I, I don't on, want this on air, really. Like, yeah, I'm just. I don't uh, know why. I'm. You know what? You can finish recording the rest of this one without me. I just. I please don't. Please, don't be that way. Uh, come on, Julian. Jay. All right, guys. I, I I don't know why that had to happen that way. I'm I'm. I'm pretty disappointed in myself for raising my voice, but you know, I think you you all heard. He he gave me really no option, um, uh, you know, to 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 defend myself and my very existent wife that way, and and to have to do it in front of you, who I know you all understand. Um, you know, those of you that are married. Um, all right, I. I I feel like we need to bring this one to a close. Um, you know, I hate to have to do it myself, but uh, again, please come back uh, next time and uh, do listen uh, in March as we begin to break down the uh, very exciting snack bracket. It's it's going to be terrific. Julian will be back. He will be there. Tony will be there. My wife will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are bringing it to you. Full of flavor. Very bold. Go big. Go bold or go home. Uh, we're working on the... We're working on in negotiations with a, a jingle artist right now. That We're, we're going to be playing with that a lot. Don't worry. There's, there's much more to come on that front. Um, I have been Gabriel Zuger. He was Julian Ambler. This has been the Dull Crans. Uh, stay dull, folks.